Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Hello there. Welcome to today's program. I'm delighted to have you uh, joining in today by one means or another. We have a uh, special program today on a very important topic. We're not going to be taking callers on general topics today related to collaborative problem solving, but um happy to take callers after we spend a little bit of time with our guest today. Um from the Alliance, the U.S. Alliance to End the Hitting of Children, Robin Peters Bennett, who I'm going to be uh, bringing on to the program in just a second. Um, let me introduce the topic. Um, good reason there's something called collaborative problem solving, and that's because um, lots of folks have been trying for a very long time to come up with ways to discipline kids and teach them without use of aggression and physical force. And um very crucial topic because obviously you wouldn't want to hit a kid. Actually, that's not obvious to everybody. We'll talk about that with Robin as well. Um, but certainly if there are ways to accomplish the same mission without hitting without aggression, without physical violence. Um, that's an important issue for our time. And so we're going to have a general discussion today with uh, Robin, and um, I'll open the phones up, I don't know, about midway through, two-thirds of the way through, and see if anybody who's listening in today live to the program uh, wants to uh, ask Robin any questions or share their thoughts on this topic. Uh, Robin, welcome to the program. Hi, Dr. Green. Nice to be here today. Um, what an important issue, and I'm delighted to have you on the program to talk about it. We don't have guests on the program that often, but um, I'm going to change that starting uh, in the fall when we start a program called Issues in Children's Mental Health. But uh, I think this is probably going to count as our first Issues in Children's Mental Health uh, program. Can you give us a little bit of an overview about um, why this is such an important topic and what it is that you're trying to accomplish? Well, I think um, the social norm of disciplining children by hitting them has um, enormous implications. And 
there's not a great deal of awareness about that in sort of the general public. Um, what we know in terms of the science of it and what psychologists understand isn't really uh, very well communicated uh, to parents and to moms uh, particularly. And I think that there's two huge reasons why this is such a big issue. One is that uh, hitting children, particularly little children, has damaging effects that are not obvious. And what uh, the research is showing us is that those effects show up later. And so we know that that damage is done, and then it just leads to a myriad of problems later on and all sorts of oppositional behavior. And then another issue is that it leads for people that are more stressed out and are in more stressful environments, parents are more likely to have that escalate. And we know that um, spanking children is often a precursor to physical violence. So if you look at the Child Protective Services reports on child abuse, physical child abuse, somewhere between two-thirds and 85% of all those reports started with an attempt to use corporal punishment. So I'd say that in general it exacerbates the problem of child abuse, and it also, for those that don't go that far, it damages the attachment between the mother and the father and the child. Um, and that, that damage is not seen readily, but it becomes serious problems later on, and that's what the research is showing, that it increases in aggression, it can lead to learning disorders. It can lead to uh, greater likelihood of domestic violence in intimate relationships once the child is grown. Uh, it's quite significant. Is that research controversial at all? Because there are people who um, say that spanking, this, this of course is an issue that bubbles up in the media every once in a while, but of course since um, the media believes, and I've been told this directly by members of the media, that human beings have very short attention spans. It doesn't stick around for long, but when it does stick uh, turn up in the media, um, there are often voices on both sides with some people saying what you're saying um, and other people saying that the research is not quite so compelling as it's being made out to be. Um, you, you've, uh, I know because you've sent a lot of it to me, there's a meaningful amount of research showing um, the effects of adverse childhood experiences on later mental health. Can you speak about the strengths of that research? Yeah, there's really two bodies of research. Um, that uh, One is specific to corporal punishment. And as far as that, the research isn't really highly controversial at all. There's very few... Uh, researchers that question the validity of that research. It's just not well disseminated, and it's, not, it's difficult to talk about. And I think a lot of pediatricians and other medical practitioners just are really not sure how to approach the topic, and some of them might spank their own children and have not really thought about it. In terms of, um, and there's a whole other body of research that's really compelling. It's called the ACEs studies, Adverse Childhood Experience Studies, and it was done by the Center of Disease Control and Kaiser Permanente, which is a huge health plan down in Southern California. And what they did, they weren't looking at child abuse. They were looking at obesity in adults and how hard it is 
ways to help really obese adults recover from that. Even if they have weight loss, they don't come back. They, they, within a short period of time, they gain the weight again. And they started asking. They, they, they looked at 17,000 people, a little bit more than that, and they asked them 10 questions. And they, the questions were around physical abuse, excluding spanking, so physical abuse that's not spanking, emotional abuse, neglect, family violence, and maybe a parent or someone went to jail, uh, or feelings of um, neglect or not being cared for. And they called those adverse childhood experiences. And what they found out kind of blew them away, because these were medical doctors that are not specifically interested in child abuse. Um, Dr. Vincent Folletti was really interested in obesity, and what he found was there was a direct correlation between how many, how high your score was, and what your likelihood of getting uh, having really serious medical problems into adulthood, early death, obesity, uh, greater chance of smoking, a higher chance of contracting cancer, of having ischemic heart disease, a heart attack. Um, suicide, I mean, the list goes on. And it's significant in that um, if you had like three or more ACEs and you could have zero to ten, that you would have a greater chance of dying of a heart attack than, um, or excuse me, you would have a greater chance of smoking. How did it go? It was like um, if you had that three or more, you were more likely to smoke and die of smoking-related illness than if not. It, it, it's stunning, really. And they're in shock. They're like, well, now we've got this Pandora's box because what are we treating? Are we treating obesity or are we treating sexual assault? Are we treating obesity or physical abuse? So, there is um so the state of washington actually got really interested in this and the gates uh foundation funded a much bigger longitudinal study and you can go out and find it on the internet in fact um there's a lot of information on it it's been going on for 15 years and they validated all of this information and as far as children which is really stunning is that they went into the classrooms and they found that the aces scores are really high in the classrooms as well so in a normal classroom, I was trying to think about what the, I'm looking here on my presentation, yeah, 58, uh, no, 29% of all the students in uh, a high school classroom in the state of Washington have experienced physical abuse or have seen their parents abuse each other violently. So we know that, we know that 28% of all uh, people that reported on this Center for Disease Control ACEs study said that they'd been physically abused. That's 88, around 88 million people in the United States. And that's serious abuse. And we know that that's a conservative number because 40% of the people responding to that had a college education, and I think the national average is somewhere around 14 to 16%. So they were looking at more affluent more successful people when they did this survey. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people who are having <laughs> adverse childhood experience in meaningful quantity. Um, given what you're finding, and of course uh, that study defined adverse childhood experiences um, not including spanking, 
Can you talk a little bit about the research related to spanking specifically? Yeah, the research uh, connected to spanking is that it, uh, you know, there's a lot of it, and it's come out of Tulane University, it's come out of Harvard University, it's come out of a lot of different uh, reputable institutions. What they're noticing is that if you smack children uh, when they're two or three, they're much more aggressive when they're like five. Um, And uh, we know that, this is what's so stunning, is in Bellingham, where I uh, practice and live, spanking is a little more taboo. People are shocked that people spank. But the research shows that about 65% of all Americans support the idea of spanking, particularly toddlers, and closer to 95% of all parents actually do it. So even parents that don't want to do it, do it. And they do it mostly with toddlers. So it's kind of reduced over time in the last 20 years. Older children are spanked less. But what remains constant are little children. And we know that the negative outcomes are very similar to the adverse childhood experiences outcomes. Higher rate of aggression, higher rate of mental illness and depression and anxiety into adulthood, greater chance of domestic violence in their own personal relationships, uh, higher suicide rate, lower IQ. So it also affects function, the ability to think, the ability to uh, learn. Um, greater learning disabilities. I mean, it's all of the same kinds of outcomes that you see with general adverse childhood experiences. So really what the research is showing that it's a continuum and that even a little spanking is harmful. And, of course, more is much worse. Mm -hmm. But it's best not to do it at all. Given that, what's your sense about why is it still so popular? Um, Well, I think... Yeah, I mean, it's really popular, I think partly because most of us have been spanked as children. And so we have a sort of a body memory of it, and we've been sensitized to violence uh, because that's what has been the norm culturally. And I also think it's because mothers and parents are quite isolated, and so a lot of the things we know on an academic level don't get really transmitted down to you know, everyday working folks. Um, Mothers that I treat are often quite isolated, and young mothers are the most likely to spank if they're more poor, if they're under 30, if they're in a community that thinks it's okay to do it or actually pressures you to do it. And if you've been hit yourself, those are all the ingredients for spanking your own child. And there's not a lot of... um, A lot of moms don't have time to read child development books. They're quite overwhelmed. They're working full-time. They're trying to take care of a toddler. They might have more than one child, and they're stressed out. So I think it's really hard to raise toddlers, and I think you have to be educated, and you have to actually grow that part of yourself, like how do I deal with a more non-rational child, you know, one that's a little harder to reason with. And... um, I think we don't really understand how sensitive children are to any kind of physical threat. Uh, And, you know, there's not as much time to hold and to love and to rock and to nurture. A lot of children spend a lot of time in preschool, and um, mothers are tired when they come home at the end of the day. And there's not a lot of social support for families. I mean, if a mother is spanking her child and doesn't want to, it's not readily obvious where she could go to get support and not feel judged, but just, like, feel cared for and helped, you know. Well, and, I mean, that brings up another 
leading explanation, I think, for why spanking is still so popular, and it's quite frankly because people aren't exactly sure what to do instead. Yes. Um, what's amazing is that the same kid who is spending a good part of the day in preschool, uh, if he should hit in preschool, um, uh, adults are going to be quick to let him know that that's not okay and probably quick to impose consequences. And yet that very same child might be going home and getting hit. So it's sort of a fascinating paradox that most toddlers would have a great deal of difficulty making sense out of. Um, there's some people who use biblical references as their justification for spanking. My, my response to that has always been, you know, m maybe that stuff flew 2,000 years ago before we know all about what we know now, the research that you've cited and other ways of teaching kids besides hitting them. Um, we've learned a lot in 2,000 years ago since that, um, since the Bible was written. What's, what, what's your response to people who are using uh, religion as their rationale for why it's still okay to hit kids? Well, um, that's a really compelling reason, and I think that in the South particularly, that's an extremely um, prevalent belief. And um, I think that really, though, there are many, many Christians that do not spank their children and do not find it necessary and have different interpretations of the Bible. And there's on my website, StopSpanking.org, there's a tab on there, on, there's a link of Christian organizations that come out against spanking. So I don't think it's exclusively, a real, I, I don't think that all Christians see it that way. But I think that um, you kind of think what you've been taught unless that thought is challenged. And, uh, you know, my, my grandmother was a very religious person. She was born in 1910, and she spanked. Uh, but I'll tell you, I think if my grandmother was alive today, uh, she would not spank. She's just a very practical person. She's always curious and trying to learn. And I think, you know, our mothers and our grandmothers would not give given us that advice if they knew what they knew now, what we know now. And so it's not really an indictment against our parents, and it's not really. I think those religious ideas are interpretations of biblical text. I think there's just as many religious arguments against it. Um, I'm not really uh, a minister, so I really don't feel like I have the authority to make those arguments, but I know that they're out there, and I know that they're, there's some very well-thought-out religious ideology that says, you know, children should not be hit, and that Christ himself was quite compassionate towards children and talked about suffering the little children and that sort of thing. Do you put Do you put spanking, I'm sure you do, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, do you put spanking in the same category as paddling because let's face it there are over 20 states in the US that in which paddling is still legal and practiced at school right. which has always fascinated me 
We we in the same boat here, spanking and paddling seem kind of the same yeah. to me. What do you think? Yeah, I you know what I think is that this is really shocking. Thirty percent of all babies under one are, are hit, and what the verbiage is that people use is smacking. And I saw this. I was in Texas in an airport, and a mom was just smacking her toddler's hand every time he reached for something at the table at dinner. And you know it's kind of normal, and no one really said anything. Although I think there's other social environments where that would not be accepted but there's cultural norms smacking you know just hitting the hand and see it but the thing is is that that's actually from a neurological perspective that's activating the stress response of the child and really the number one bonding um, you know the number the number one um, feature of really ensuring a strong attachment to your young child is physical touch holding rocking kissing singing humming uh, so, you know, what we realize is that the small child is physiologically quite sensitive. And so smacking to me is hitting. Spanking is hitting. Hitting a child with a board in, in, in school is just horrifying to me. It is assault. Uh, and, you know, it's really about a, a degree of the same kind of behavior that gets more and more extreme. But all of those kinds of insults to the body create a threat inside the child and then the child reacts with anxiety and their thinking is now um, less available to them really because when a child and any human really is in threat their uh, prefrontal cortex the forward part of their brain that knows right and wrong and can kind of have empathy for other people and can make good decisions that goes away it's not really available. And we know that because if you get in an argument with your wife or your husband and you say really dumb things and then later you realize, yeah, that really wasn't me. Well, it has a lot to do with how agitated you're getting and you and you lose empathy and you lose the ability to think clearly. And so hitting children actually makes them less likely to learn right and wrong and less likely to have empathy and to be more afraid actually of authority. Well, and there are those who would say that being afraid of authority is actually a good thing because fear is the tool that we need to keep people on the straight and narrow path. Um, what do you think of that? Well, you know, that's a really um, common and, and uh, maybe antiquated idea about human behavior, I think. I mean, I was certainly raised with some of that, although not completely. And my mother knew that it was important to have fun and enjoy each other and laugh. Um, but I think neuroscience will tell you that, in fact, fear disables the brain and impinges development. And I think, ultimately, uh, what the ACEs studies are showing us and also what the research was spanking is that it probably causes brain damage, um, and particularly if it's more severe. Uh, we know that child abuse causes brain damage. And so... Um, you know, fear is actually something that is toxic in many ways. So, you know, you can have a little bit of fear, but you really don't want fear to be within the relationship between the child and the parent. You can be afraid of traffic. You can be afraid of strangers. But really the child should feel safe and, and feel um, secure with the parent. And if there's fear of being hit, then there's ambiguity for the child. And it leads to intimacy problems into adulthood. It leads to ambiguity in the kid, like my mom loves me, but my mom hits me. And children actually interpret it really in a simple way, like 
I'm small, I get hit, I'm bad. Or when I'm bigger, I won't get hit. And I treat a lot of children that are hit pretty profoundly, and they're often preoccupied with getting bigger. So it's not that they respect authority. They want to eventually become authority because they don't trust authority. I I recall this uh, 15-year-old who was sitting in my Mm. office a very long time ago seething at his parents who were also in the room, and he said to them, "Um, I used to have to do what you said because you were bigger than me. And then he said, now I'm bigger than you. You do what I say. That's um, chilling. Uh, we have to, and, and they looked at me and they said, see what we're talking about? And I said that they, they expected me to say, oh, man, do I get it. But instead I said, I, I do see what you mean. I, I see two parents whose primary discipline strategy, power, is no longer working. Right. And what I'm thinking in my head was, what a shame you didn't start with strategies that would have worked just as well when your child was two or three as they would work now when he's 15 because you would have gotten 12 or 13 years worth of practice under your belt. Oh, and man. then your son wouldn't be sitting here bragging that it's now him him who's bigger. Right, and and now he carries... Really, we know that children that are hit are more aggressive, so he's actually, his impulse is toward power now. So he's going to have a long road to learn how to trust relationship and to be a team player and to lean on people and to and and to try to work things out. Let and, you know, I, I, I want to plug a, I want to plug a book just because it's helped me a great deal. Um, yeah is Dr. Dan Siegel's book. He's written quite a few, and some of them are really heady, and they have some neuroscience in it, and it can be a little overwhelming, but it can be intriguing too. But the one I really like is The Whole Brain Child. And he just published it. And what I like about it is it gives you alternatives, particularly for toddlers, because it's so hard in the moment. You know, like uh, my granddaughter just this morning wouldn't put her diaper in the diaper pail from the night before, and mom's trying to get her to do it, and it became like this conflict first thing in the morning. And her poor mother's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm just trying to get ready for work here. And so it's hard to think on your feet when you're in a rush, when you're just waking up. Um, how do you, what do you do, you know, other than use force, threats, you know, all of that. And, yeah, we ended up, I got a little plastic glove and made it, you know, I gave it to her and I said, it's Ducky the diaper guy or whatever, and made him quack, and she put the diaper, she put the glove on her hand and then picked the diaper up. But it became a game. But I, you know, I didn't know how to do that when my children were really young. Uh, I wouldn't have a clue. So his book has just a lot of really great ideas on how to engage with children in a way that you're not always in conflict. And toddlers can really make you angry. Because they're rough sometimes. They're, they're, they can be so oppositional, and they can get dysregulated and upset very easily, and you don't know what's going on. Um, well, and of course, in the collaborative problem-solving territories, a toddler being difficult is expected because a toddler is only beginning if it's a, quote-unquote, normally developing toddler, that child is only just beginning to have the developmental skills to tell us what's going on, to yes. regulate their emotions, to control their impulses. Um, feels to me like the worst thing you could possibly do if you want uh, the best. If you wanted to slow down a child's development, um, hit 
and then you're providing the child with a very simple response to not having the words to let us know what's going on, not having the skills to regulate emotions, not having the skills to control impulses. Uh, you want to teach a child, if you want to hold a child back, hit him. Let me ask you yeah. this, though, just to play devil's advocate. And by the way, I want to invite people to call in if they want to. This is a very important topic, and I'm sure that many of the people who are listening were hit. And my bet is that some of the people who are listening, even though this is a um, select sample we have here, my bet is that some of the people who are listening either do still hit or did hit. The call-in number is 347-994-2981. Feel free to call in if you have a question for Robin. Once again, my guest today, Robin Peters-Bennett from the U.S. Alliance to End the Hitting of Children. Um, and, Robin, give us that website again before I play Devil's Advocate. Oh, for um, the Alliance? Yes. It is, well, let me give you two websites. One is uh, stopspanking.org, and uh, that is my website that just has a lot of information on spanking. And the uh, the alliance is uh, endhittingusa.org. Outstanding. Um, I have a message from one of our listeners by email saying, this is why CPS is so important. Not only does it help the child, whether regular or challenging, but it gives parents the tools and skills to care for their child. It's proactive, which affords the adult or caregiver the time to think through and resolve problems with the child. It eliminates the rush and heat of the moment, reduces a parent's feeling of frustration so they don't need to lash out at the child. Thank you to our listener for sending in those thoughts. Let me play devil's advocate. Is there anything that you should hit a child for? I mean, are we... I mean, I have my own answer to this, but let's hear yours. Is there anything so egregious that a child could do that warrants hitting? Uh, You know, obviously, from my point of view, I'm going to say absolutely not. And I think that comes from a place of saying, is there at any time where you would want to be hit, where that would help you calm down, where that would help you think, where that would help you uh, cope with what you're feeling? I would say no. It would escalate me every time. What about people who say, listen, I was spanked, and I turned out fine? Right, that's great. Yeah, what, well, what, you know... What's the big deal, they'll say? What, what, right, what do you think? Right. Well, I think that um, you have to kind of wonder, did you turn out fine? Uh, you know, how fine? And um, Most of the people you who know, say they turned out fine are quite certain that they did, but keep going. <laughs> right, and, you know, probably they are fine in a, lar- in, a, in a great, de- you know, in general, I would say they probably are. And, you know, one of the things that can sort of help the injury of spanking is a loving relationship. So if the mother's intention is good and is generally warm and loving, it's a mitigating influence. So it softens the negative impact impact uh, of the trauma but it doesn't make the trauma not traumatic it it compromises and i and i remember listening to paula flo who's very interested she's an activist in the south trying to end paddling in the schools and she says well how can you say you turned out okay she's talking to the superintendents you know you want to hit kids with boards 
And I thought that was funny, too, meaning that, yeah, you probably did turn out okay, but you're probably more aggressive than you need to be because you feel more threatened than really you should have felt. You know, turning out okay is such a vague thing. And there are lots of things, I think, that researchers have a lot of trouble measuring because they are more nuanced. Um, one of the, but just as an example of some things that researchers would have trouble measuring, you know, spanking ends the conversation. Spanking ends the communication. Spanking says to a child, look, even if I am interested in your concerns or your point of view on this problem that I'm spanking you about, um, my ultimate solution to this problem is for you, the child, to get hit. It's hard to measure in adults. I mean, it wouldn't be impossible, but a lot of times research focuses on more aggregate or, or global uh, realms. Um, hard to measure to what degree does this adult use power to achieve their goals? To what degree did this adult stop putting their concerns on the table a long time ago because if they had, they would have gotten smacked for it. Um, I think there's a lot of things that are more nuanced about adults who think they turned out just fine. To, to what degree is this adult able to actually listen to the concerns of another party? Those are things that would be harder to measure in research but because spanking ends the conversation, because spanking ends the communication, um, well, I think that there are more subtle, nuanced aspects of an adult's functioning that um, we might have a lot more difficulty finding out about when we're looking at what happens to people who were spanked. Yeah, I, had, I was sort of imagining that if someone said that, if he's talking there with his wife and you turn to his wife and said, how well does he listen to you when you're having a hard time? You know, how well does he negotiate in an intimate relationship? Right. Does he talk about what's really going on or does he, tr does he trust? So, you know, um, we know that there are chemicals that are produced in the brain by loving physical touch that actually enhance attachment and increase the level of oxytocin and the level of trust. So we know trust and the ability to trust and to feel safe is, is a chemical experience, and it's something that's developed within an attachment that has to do with pleasurable, safe, warm, soothing kinds of activities. And, you know, when you talk about hitting a toddler, you know that what you're doing there is you're, you're inhibiting those chemicals that would produce a, a secure attachment. Uh, you're creating other chemical reactions that are more anxiety-provoking. And those belief systems that children develop, you know, I work a lot with adults as, as well as children, and those belief systems are pervasive. They become like organizing principles of how people see the world. You know, the world is safe. You know, and I remember interviewing, and you can see it out on my website, there's a young man that I interviewed about spanking, and he goes, I think you need to be aggressive. I think you need to be uh, tough. 
And um, really what he was talking about is his worldview. And that worldview is not developed once you go to school. It's developed very, very early. And then it's reinforced by social experience. But it starts with the connection to the parents. And um, It's very interesting. A lot of adults um, who say it's important to be tough um, think that the opposite of tough is soft when in fact a lot is accomplished in this world in fact most things are accomplished in this world by um, people um, being able to articulate where they're coming from saying it in a way that other people can hear taking other people's concerns into account working together and collaboratively toward mutually satisfactory solutions I'm always fascinated that the belief system is that if you're not hitting, then you if you're not being aggressive, then you must be being soft. And I'm always telling people there's nothing about collaborative problem solving that's soft. To tell you the truth, solving problems collaboratively with kids is a lot harder than hitting them. But no, I'm it is. Fascinated it's fascinated by the mentality. Well, yeah, and collaborative problem solving is a, a prefrontal cortex thing, you know, like it's an upper brain kind of activity. Aggression really is seated more in the lower brain. It's more primitive. It's a, fi- a f- fight or flight reaction. Uh, collaborative problem solving takes a lot of repetition and practice and patience and trust that the relationship can can really help you get where you need to go. And hitting children says the relationship doesn't have much weight. I have to just make this happen by hitting the child or using force. Let me. Uh, I want to give our call in number one more time. If just in case somebody wants to sneak in at the end here, it's three four seven nine nine four two nine eight one. There, Robin. There are countries in this world that have outlawed spanking. Yeah, they've banned it in the home. About twenty nine. Uh, and the ones that have been most successful is Sweden and Costa Rica. Uh, Sweden did it when I was a little girl, um, about 30 years ago. And it's really, really phenomenal. They've actually seen de- decreases in parental prosecutions of child abuse. They've seen a decrease in child um, adolescent suicides and drug and alcohol. Um, you know, And they saw a huge, huge increase in reporting. And it's interesting because people just started to become quite much more sensitive to violence. And they were a lot like us when they implemented this ban. Um, Just about as many people supported spanking as they do in the United States. So it wasn't like everyone was all on board. But what they did is this great educational program. They put educational information on milk cartons that went out and were on the kitchen table and they sent stuff out to the schools and the homes and said, you know, you have a right never to be hit. And then they sent out alternatives and they had educational programs so that, you know, these poor moms have somebody helping them do it differently. Because, you know, collaborative problem solving is a skill that has to be learned and you have to be able to teach it. And just telling a parent not to hit a child isn't really very helpful because then what are they going to do? Well, I suppose they'll yell at them or or they'll just give up, which is your bucket C, I guess, you know, where you just 
don't address it at all. And so over the last 30 years, they've really worked on trying to help people negotiate with their children, work with their children, understand, like, what can you expect out of a two-year-old? What should a four-year-old be able to do? So, you know, at least you have an idea of. And also, you know, some children are developmentally younger than their chronological age. So it's really important to understand what is the developmental age of my child because some children grow at a slower rate. Uh, for a lot of reasons, than other children. And so just because a child's very verbal doesn't mean they're emotionally just as bright. Um, So it's really important. We're so caught up in teaching kids right from wrong, um, it's hard to make the case that if, if having a child not only appreciate the difference between right and wrong, but develop the skills to do right and stay away from wrong if that's the goal and if that's all about development um hard to make the case that hitting a kid enhances development but we've we've got another emailer here saying um i was spanked very hard so that it left my father's hand imprint and unable to sit down for hours as a two-year-old child I'm I'm here to tell you that violence, and he only tried to kill me twice, according to my mother, has stayed with me throughout my adult life despite my hard work in therapy. I never spanked my children. Oh, wow. That is a chilling and inspiring story. You know, what what an amazing thing to never hit your child. And, you know, to be hit that hard at two years old is so profoundly damaging to a little child and it's you know it generates a kind of constant anxiety that that person's probably had to deal with her, his or her whole life it's just which, um, which which she says and it was probably done by somebody who thought if he was thinking thought he was doing the right thing at the time and and was probably quite certain of it yeah, and it's really stunning how many children under two or under three are hit with hangers and all sorts of objects and are injured. Um, and this take-home message here is that the handprint is horrendous, but the baby's brain, her brain, incurred so much of an assault uh, that is so profoundly dysregulating and can only damage the further development of a child. And what we know is that injuries early on alter development later on. So you get a time bomb effect where the child is compliant uh, or quiet, maybe too quiet in a way, and then later on has all these problems because the brain grows sequentially and injuries that happen at two show up at nine, show up at 20, show up you know, in your 30s. Um, It's a very sad story. We have another uh, email uh, saying, I am very aware of the multifaceted damage that is done to our children as a result of our physical punishment. However, it is not always a conscious choice. In spite of anger management courses, learning collaborative problem-solving, and not wanting to parent like this, the impulse raises its ugly head in the heat of the moment, very, very hard. Thank you to that emailer as well. Any comments yeah. on that? We have about uh, two minutes left in the program. Any thoughts on that 
Uh, well, the thought would be, how do you regulate yourself in general? Because I completely feel for this person that, you know, if you have been hit as well, you're more likely to be explosive and not to regulate. So what are you doing in your regular life, and your routine, where you don't get overworked, where you get enough physical exercise? I cannot overemphasize how important physical exercise, walking, yoga, um, you know, running, uh, any kind of aerobic exercise uh, with music is wonderful. These are very regulating activities, and I think we have to keep our bodies calm and we have to have somebody to talk to. Who do you reach out for support so that you're not operating on a thin thread uh, where, you know, if it's late at night and you're tired, you blow up? Parents what need I think, support. Sorry, go ahead. What I say to a lot of parents is that there's almost nothing going on in the heat of the moment. Yes. That requires an immediate response, and that yeah. a huge part of this is to, number one, recognize that and stay out of the heat of the moment if they can. Yeah. Try uh, to run. Robin, uh, go ahead, sorry. Try to get a glass of water and walk away or run away, get some space, because you're two lizard brains at that moment, and it can only be disastrous, really. Robin, give us those websites one more time before we run out of time here. Sure. The first one is stopspanking.org, and the other one is, and I really encourage people to join, it's the U.S. Alliance to End the Hitting of Children, and it's endhittingusa.org. Uh, Robin Peters-Bennett has been my guest on today's program. Robin, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today. Thank you. And, um, I'm so glad to have the chance. I, I sure do hope that you will come on the program again someday. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Green. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for us today. be back next week with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Talk to you then.